are in our final week of our series, Compassion Culture. Um, it seems like we've been in this particular series for about a year. It's actually only been four weeks, um, but it has truly been an interesting conversation as we've begun to really unpack this, this cancel culture that's going on in our, in our country, in our nation, and people's desire to seemingly want to cancel one another out and silence those with whom they disagree. And it's really been a tragedy to see uh, so many people pushed to the, the outskirts uh, because of people's differing beliefs and thoughts on what's right. And I'm hopeful that you've been challenged like I have to, to, to find those, those ways to love people in a culture that would rather silence and marginalize people. Because that's not God's plan. That's not God's desire. God's desire is that we would be in a relationship that we would be in relationship with him and relationship with others. And at his core, God is all about that. And so as we bring our discussion to a close today, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll daily lean into the importance of living our lives with love and compassion. Truly the love and compassion that Jesus showed. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time, I've got a few that are, that are on top of the list, but this one's this one's right there, probably top three um, favorite movies of all time is Forrest Gump. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the perfect story of kind of the underdog, you know, who, who just lives his life very simply, um, you know, and, and, and he, Forrest kind of goes through his life showing people kindness and respect and compassion, even amidst ridicule. And if you are like me and you enjoyed that movie, there's, there's a line that pops up several times throughout the movie. And if you've seen the movie, you'll, you'll know as I start. But as, as several people throughout the movie pose this question to Forrest, are you stupid or something? Very hurtful and very tragic question, but shows very aptly sometimes the level of our inability to love people. People will say, are you, are you stupid or something? And the response that Forrest has is simple, but somewhat profound. Everybody knows. Forrest would respond by saying, stupid is as stupid does. Stupid is as stupid does. A very simple thought, but very profound in its meaning. In essence, a person should be judged by their actions, not their appearance, not necessarily by their words, but judged by their actions. You know, when, we, when Gretchen and I started a family a number of years ago now, there were certain words that we didn't allow our kids to say. One of them was the S word. Everybody else was allowed to say that word. But inevitably, inevitably, they would come home from school or they'd come, you know, they'd have a disagreement in the home and they'd come and tell on one of their siblings or, you know, one of their, their classmates and they would say, they uttered, the, they, they uttered the S word. And of course, there would be this brief moment of heart palpitation and, you know, cold sweat where we'd be like, what, what, what word did they say? And they would inevitably lean in and say, they, they called me stupid. 
We'd be like, oh, okay, all right. And after picking ourselves up off the floor, we'd say, well, yeah, that's not a good word, and we don't say that. And... But the reality in life is, is too often we pass similar judgment on people based solely on their appearance or their political affiliation or the things they say or they do, we pass judgment, and we do it pretty quickly. You know, for me, sometimes it's you know, the way people drive. I can figure out very quickly where their eternity lies. You know? well, they're obviously going somewhere other than heaven. It's based on their erratic driving. But we pass judgment. And as we conclude our conversation today, I want us to consider our own tendency to judge people. Today's message is called, you guessed it, Judgment Is As Judgment Does. Judgment is as judgment does. Because the way that we judge people reflects the judgment that we should expect. Our text today is found in Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you don't, you can jump on the YouVersion Bible app and search Neighborhood Church for events, and you will find us, all of our notes and scriptures. And I'm reading today out of the New Living Translation. And in Romans chapter 2, Paul says, You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God and his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? you, Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after glory and honor, and immortality that God offers, but he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are no respecter of persons. You see all of us as your chosen children. And Father, we pray that you would help us not to judge people based on their beliefs or their opinions or their, their, their thoughts or perspectives, but instead we would see people as your children, redeemed or not. And we would desire to step into relationship, not separate ourselves from or cancel out. God, we need your help. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your patience to live alongside of people in strength and harmony and 
relationship. So help us today, God. We, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts and that you'd challenge us to a place of understanding. God, we love you and we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in this passage, Paul speaks out very succinctly against this back and forth that's happening in the, in the Roman church. He's literally unpacking this debate that's going on where people are saying, well, you should be doing this, and you should be following the law, and you should be, and if you're doing this, and you're doing that, well, you're evil, and, and you, sh- you shouldn't expect anything from God. And Paul's pointing out that many in the church were judging one another. And they were picking and choosing adherence to the law and what they judged as sin. And these same people, he says, were just as guilty of sinning. They were just doing it differently. Because when we judge people, we begin to step to a place of sin. God is the only perfect judge. He's not asked you or me to be judge and jury. And then Paul begins to instruct us of our need to turn from our own sin. He, he acknowledges first that there's this division going on in the church. And then he says, you really should take a look at yourself and begin to turn away from your own sin. Because you're no different than the people you're judging. I always reflect back on the the image of the the speck and the plank. You know, why do you try and take the speck out of your neighbor's eye when you got a plank sticking out of your own? I don't know about you, but I've gotten stuff stuck in my eye before, and I don't like the way it feels. And yet we see fit to judge people based on our own understanding of the world and what we think is right. And too often, we're so focused on everyone else that we neglect to see our own shortcomings. We neglect to see those areas of our lives where we're still grieving the heart of God. And as we conclude our conversation today, it's important that we embrace the reality that there is a day coming when God will judge every one of us. God. Not you, not me, but God. And this understanding of God's pending judgment should cause us to consider the following reality. The first being this. The posture of our heart will first be seen in our attitude toward others. The posture of our heart will first be seen in the way that we treat people. The attitude we have toward other people. You know, too often we forget that the way in which we treat others is a direct reflection of what's going on in our own hearts. The way that you treat others is a direct reflection of what is going on in here. We find ourselves constantly being critical of other people. We should evaluate where that spirit of criticism is coming from. If we find it necessary to talk about people behind their backs and spread sensitive information that's not ours to share, we should begin to look at the root of that insecurity in our lives. Why do we feel the need to share other people's woes so that we can feel more more secure, so that we can feel better about ourselves? It's ours to share. And too many times we feel as if our good deeds 
how earnest the ability to judge other people. Well, I did this, and I, I volunteered over here, and I, I gave in this offering, and I supported this cause, so I should be able to judge. Because after all, I've done the things I should do. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Did you hear that? For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus looked at the heart of the two men. And there was one who just said, look at me. I am a picture of God's amazingness. And then there was the man who who didn't even feel worthy to look to heaven. And said, God, have mercy on me. That's the one who left justified. That's the one who left just as if he had never sinned. And when we find ourselves in a place where we're desiring to become judgmental about the actions of another, we should check our hearts. We should remind ourselves of the areas that God has delivered us. Remind yourself of the work that's been done in your life to bring you to where you are. We should humble ourselves and know that without God, we're destined to make the same destructive decisions. Do you know that to be true? There was a time in my life where I continued to do the same things over and over and over again, no matter how sorry or or how horrible I felt about the things I was doing. I did not have the power to change until I surrendered all of it to God. And said, I need you to take this desire. I need you to take this willingness to step outside of your will away. You know, my dad used to have this saying. And it was a simple saying, but it's, it's, it's helped me as I've gotten later on in life, as I've become an adult, as I've been given areas of responsibility and leadership. He used to say to me, Dan, I'm just one decision away from becoming the village idiot. I'm just one decision away from becoming the village idiot. We're just one decision away from taking away from our credibility as a Christian. You know why people don't like Christians? Because we say one thing and then we do something else. And people look at that and they say, well, that, no, that's, that's hypocritical. 
God is desiring that we step into relationship with Him and that we wouldn't desire to walk around judging people. Proverbs 23.7 in the King James says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So are we allowing the Spirit of God to purify our hearts daily? Are we allowing God to change us? Because the posture of our heart will first be seen in our attitude toward other people. Second thing is this, God's grace should move us from judgment to humble repentance. God's grace should move us from this place of wanting to judge everybody with whom we come in contact with to a place of humble repentance. How is it that we somehow believe we deserve God's grace? We come in and we beat our chest and we say, I did all these wonderful things this week. God, you, you, should, you should show grace for your servant because of all the amazing stuff I did in your name. The reality is nothing we've done or said or tried to become has earned us the grace of God. Nothing. Grace is defined in Scripture as God's unmerited favor or His unconditional love that while we were still sinners, Christ died. And when we're reminded of our need of God, it should change our perspective from one of judgment to a place of daily repentance. Not one-time repentance. Not, God, I came down to the altar and I said, man, I'm sorry, I've messed up, I've done all these things wrong, please forgive me, and then we go and we just live our lives. No, it's daily repentance. It's daily seeing that we are flawed and that we're not perfected yet, that we still need the, the grace of God, we still need the strength of God to live our lives in such a way that we point people to Him. i got to be honest, there's days I need to repent of the way I'm thinking. The way I'm thinking about people, especially people who drive like morons. I'm just telling you, that's, this is like an area that, that daily God's got to redeem. I was out with some of our, our, our greeter guys, and we were just talking. We were recounting our road rage. And I'm, I'm way better than I used to be. So I don't know what that should tell you. But we need to... Daily repent. I have, to, I have to repent of the way I, I think about people, the way, that I, the way that I think about our state and our country and what's going on in the world. There's days it frustrates me and it, it upsets me and it, it's exhausting and it's confusing. Sometimes I just need to repent and say, God, just give me patience. Help me to, 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 to serve you in the way that I'm living my life in the midst of all of this. And then there's days I need to repent of the things that I'm doing. Not putting my time with God first. Not prioritizing my relationship with Him. But allowing that to become secondary. Not obeying when I feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to speak to somebody or, or to pray for someone or to, to, to act. But no, I'm too busy and I've got too many things to do and I'm so, so, so important. I don't have time to do that right now. We're not prioritizing Gretchen and the kids first. 
prioritizing those people that God has placed in our lives to care for and to love. There are days I need to repent of my judgmental attitude. Yes, newsflash, your pastor is judgmental. I'm sorry, you can all stand up and the mass exodus can begin. Every one of us struggles with judgment. Every one of us struggles with the realities of looking down our nose at somebody and saying, oh, no, no, no. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If we choose to judge people, we can expect the same judgment to come back on us. And I'll tell you what, it's not fun. I've been in that place of being humbled. I've been in that place of being humbled publicly. I've been in that place where I've had to eat my own words and go, maybe I shouldn't have been so arrogant. Maybe I shouldn't have judged that person unfairly. The reality is at the end of the day, while we can judge sin, yes, you can judge sin and say that's sin, and that's not right, and that grieves the heart of God, never gave us the right to pass judgment on people. It's okay to to see right and wrong. It's okay to see evil and good. But we don't have the right to judge. God is the righteous judge. Romans 4, 14, 11 says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess he is Lord. There's coming a day where the perfect judge, the righteous judge, will judge all of us. And whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we, wherever we're at, there will be a day when every tongue will confess that he's Lord. So in light of God's great grace that's extended to you, where in your life do you need to humble yourself and repent? Where in your life do you need to say, God, I need your grace so that I can show love and show compassion and freely give that same grace to others? Because the reality is that the posture of our heart will first be seen in our attitude And God's grace should move us from that place of judgment to a place of humble repentance. The final thought is this. Repentance releases us from the bondage of sin and judgment to a life of love and compassion. Repentance releases us. It takes takes the pressure off. It it relinquishes this pressure to to walk around and make sure everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And we need to have a keen understanding as to what repentance truly looks like in order to be able to move beyond judgment. To love others freely. You know, the Greek for the word repentance is metanoia. It's actually two Greek words. First one being meta or or it means after or beyond. And the second word is, is nous, nous, 
which means the mind. Meaning afterthought or second thought. Repentance literally means a change of mindset. You know, in Sunday school they say, when you repent, you, you do a 180. You're going this way and that, now you're going this way. And we make that 180 degree turn. We change the way that we're living. We change the way that we're talking. We change the things that we're doing. But it means a change of your fundamental attitudes and outlooks on life. In Hebrew terms, it means changing the desires of your heart, consequently changing the orientation of your life. So we move from this place of judgment to this place of understanding that we've been shown grace so that we can show love and compassion to other people. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, reading in the New Living Translation, says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Did you hear that? Then times of refreshment will come. But we have to repent first. Because if we can't come to a place of repentance, if we can't come to a place of humbly seeing ourselves as flawed, but being given the grace of God, then how in the world can we feel free to enjoy the life abundant that God has promised us? As we turn from the habits and decisions in life that hold us hostage, we not only become aware of God's great grace, we have an increasing desire to show that same compassion to others. When we experience the grace of God in the midst of our own mistakes, the desire to judge others should naturally fall away. When we come to that place of of humble repentance, judgment should just fall away because we realize we're flawed. We realize we need God. And I'm daily reminded my need of God's power to overcome my propensity to judge people. I need it daily. As I have to see somebody coming up in my rearview mirror, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> when we fully embrace the grace of God, we will be more apt to extend grace in the place of judgment. But we have to fully embrace it. And if you're in, place, in a place of struggling to look past the, fa- the failures and the faults of others, there's a great likelihood that you need to come to a place of re- repentance. That you need to repent of your own struggles. Because that's the freeing power. To see the world through God's eyes. To see the people who are struggling through life as God's children, as God's chosen. The great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, judging others makes us blind, whereas love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. Did you hear that? By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace which others are are just as entitled to as we are.
God's grace is not just for you or for me. It's for everyone. That none would perish. That none would lose out on the opportunity to have relationship with him. That none would be separated from his presence. And as followers of Christ, there should be no end to our desire to show compassion to everyone who crosses our path in life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for your grace, that unmerited favor that we didn't deserve, we didn't earn, we didn't do anything to receive. Because you loved us, you saw fit to give us a way back to you. And it was through the shed blood of your son, it was through the shameful death of your one and only son. And God, just as you sent your son Jesus to die so that we could be saved, we desire to daily show compassion to those you bring across our paths. Help us to move past this desire to judge and condemn them into a place of offering them loving grace, the same loving grace that you so freely showed us. Father, we ask that you would give us the ability, give us the patience, give us the perseverance to come alongside of people and see them the way that you see them. Help us to love them with the love that you showed us. Help us to show compassion when seemingly the only response would be to to judge. Father, we need your help. We can't do it on our own. We're nothing without you. We ask for your help. And if you're in this place today and you find yourself in that place of saying, yeah, I've I've, I've really struggled to give up some areas of my life. I've, I've struggled to relinquish control. I've struggled with judging people in this area or that. The reality is every one of us needs God's redeeming power. Every one of us needs that grace. So, Father, today we repent. We humbly repent and say we need you. We ask that you would show us your grace and you'd give us the strength to show others that same grace. Father, we love you and we thank you. And this morning as we have talked about grace and we've talked about relationship and we've talked about what God is desiring for our lives, I'd be remiss if I didn't give the opportunity for those to answer the call of Jesus. And if you have not been in a place of of following Jesus with your whole heart, or perhaps you found yourself far away from God, just struggling through life and struggling to understand what your purpose is, or where hope is found, I want to give you the opportunity today to step into that relationship with Jesus. To say yes to his call. 
Scripture says he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And if you open the door, he will come in and dine with you and be with you. And so this morning, if you are desiring to follow Jesus, each week we say a simple prayer. The reality is, Scripture tells us if we confess with our mouths and we believe in our heart that Jesus died and was raised again, we'll be saved. So this morning, as we say this prayer together as a, as a family, as a church family, I want to invite you to say this prayer and to believe it. Confess your need of Jesus. Scripture tells us you will be saved. So can we say this together, church? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, church, I, I am, I'm grateful that, that, that God loves us, that even in the midst of our crazy ways of thinking, he desires to use us. My prayer is this week we would be willing to acknowledge our own shortcomings and see the areas that God is still needing to redeem, still needing to fix, still needing to heal. And that as we come to that humble place of repentance, that we would be awakened to those areas that we can show grace and love and compassion to those people that God brings across our paths. So that's my prayer for us this week, is that we would lean into the messiness of relationship, that we would lean into those people that maybe, just maybe, we would want to judge, but God is calling us to love. So as we talk about it each and every week, it's a choice, it's a decision. And as we conclude the service, our prayer team will be available to you at the back of the worship center. If you'd like somebody to pray and agree with you for a specific need. But as we go throughout our week, let's remember that God is working in our hearts to perfect us to his liking. In every interaction that we have, let's make sure that we take every opportunity to be the neighborhood. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday.